Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Our goal is to connect you with real people, with real stories on how they think about bravery in the workplace and examples on how they have demonstrated bravery in the workplace, all with the goal of helping you do the same. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. Be on the lookout as well for my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, which is being published in September of 2020. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Lori Schloff is an executive communication coach, author, and president of Partners in Communication, Inc., a coaching firm that helps business professionals be more comfortable, confident, and skilled in their presentations, meetings, and their relationships with teams and clients. Hello, Lori. Hi, Ed. How are you? I am doing well. How's it going? I am feeling really great about talking to you and learning more about what you do and my sharing a bit about uh, what I do as well as a coach. Well, great. Well, I don't know if it's fantasy or reality, but when I do research on presentation skills, I think I have read that people have greater fear about presentation skills than they do about dying. Yeah. Well, you know, and the punchline to that is people would rather be in the coffin than delivering the eulogy. <laughs> I, think, I didn't make I it think, up. I think it's Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. Well, I think it's true. I think that's what uh, people had said. So, Lori, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background and uh, the work that you do today. Sure. Well, I've been a lifelong communication coach. I was always interested in the combination of how people speak, psychology, and helping people. So I was one of those blessed people who found their niche pretty early in life. I started out in speech language pathology, but soon I transitioned into being a coach in corporations. And what I do, Ed, is I work both with individuals and teams, and my goal is to first figure out how can they enhance their communication as a tool for being more effective. So, for example, I just recently worked with a bunch of senior folks in a biotech firm which is always rewarding because they're really trying to literally cure cancer or something else. So they are trying to get investors to be interested in them. And each of them, of course, they're individuals, has their own issues. You know, one speaks too fast. One is scared of speaking. Another might come across as too arrogant. So there's a whole gamut of things that individuals and teams want to work on. Why? because it increases their chances for success. And I don't have to tell you that. You know how important communication is as a coach. Sure. And when you think about the number and variety of obstacles that people must have in order to present well, it it has to be endless. You know something? Communication's complex. And, you know, I think everybody, for example, is scared of speaking in at least one situation. Let me give you an example of something I learned very early in my career. I was sitting across from a guy who was in a three-piece suit, very, very formal. 
And I said, so what would you like to work on? And he said, I'm great at public speaking. I said, oh, you know, that's good. He said, in fact, the bigger the crowd, the better. And I quizzically said after a while, after he was bragging for a while, I said, how can I be helpful? And he said, well, it's not the speaking in front of large groups. It's the small talk at the table before I get up. And that really taught me, Ed, that really taught me that each person is nervous. This is my opinion in at least one situation in life that may be holding them back. I think we all are, Lori. I think everybody gets a little bit nervous. And that's one of the reasons we started this podcast, Be Brave at Work, because I also think that people need bravery from time to time, not at all times, but from time to time to do or say something that needs to be said or done that hasn't. And it's probably very similar that being braver or looking for a need to communicate more effectively exists for all of us. Yeah. And if we look at it at its most simple level, bravery takes almost always, it could be an email, but almost always the ability to speak up and to feel like you're going to do it in a way that has impact. So the fear of speaking, overcoming it can be a huge part of bravery for many, many people. I mean, two examples of bravery. I worked with a woman who was in an investment finance company. She was the only woman on her team. She had evidence that she was discriminated against for promotions. People overlooked her at meetings. And she finally had the bravery to speak up about it. Actually, in this case, she was let go. But she's very proud of herself for speaking up. Yeah, oftentimes you think that bravery, and I've become a little bit of a student of understanding bravery in the workplace, Lori, and I think oftentimes bravery is when the need to say something exceeds the reasons not to. So oftentimes we don't say something because the reasons not to are greater than the reasons to do it. But at some point a trigger's pulled or, you know, something happens and you say to yourself, you know what? I've been avoiding this conversation. I really need to say or do something about it. And that's when you become, I think, a little bit braver. I totally agree with your formula. So what pushes people? Now, I'm going to be working with a young, successful woman. She wants to transition out of her corporate job into doing something more entrepreneurial. She actually wants to do media and podcasts. And she feels like she's nervous and also not particularly skilled in honing her message. So. There we see the combination of fear, but also, will I be good at it? But I agree with you. There's some sort of passion that must occur, something emotional, in order to propel someone to get outside their comfort zone. And I guess if I have to think about what I do, it's helping them to get outside their comfort zone in a way that works. Because there are people who are brave, and I'm sure you've come across this, but may not handle trying to be brave in the most impactful way. That is what we do a lot of work around, which is what you need to do and how you need to do it. Because even though you know what you need to do, oftentimes people don't know the best ways to do it. So how about you, Lori? You know, we talked about it a little bit, and this is the reason I love that we're having this conversation is because of the relationship between bravery and public speaking. 
what does a communication coach do? You've talked about it a little bit, but when you look at your work with clients, you know, in general, what, what are you attempting to help them with? Sure. And it's probably easiest for me to talk about some of the things clients come to me about. And then if you like, I'd love to do a deep dive into the fear of speaking because it's a whole field in and of itself. Mm -hmm. So the main kinds of clients I get, Ed, are people who want to be more effective in a situation such as currently leading a virtual meeting facilitating a meeting, speaking up at a conference, handling a conversation with their team or with their manager or boss. And so uh, my work, and I guess yours to a great extent, is very results-oriented. So if the person is better at the conference than they were three months ago, then we have worked together successfully in the engagement. Another area that's a lot more subtle that people come to me or are referred to me about is what we call communication style. And I call this the twos, T-O-O. So people who are too timid, (laughs) too too strong, right? Yep. Two in your face. And I am called upon to help someone sort of modify those behaviors and to be flexible in the situation. So I think there's a lot of overlap between leadership coaching and communication coaching. I focus probably 80% on behavior. And what do you think causes the fear of speaking, Lori? I know you wanted to go deep dive into a particular topic, but I think our listeners would appreciate kind of hearing from you based on your experience with so many clients. You know, are there three or five things that most common cause uh, a person to fear speaking publicly? Yeah. And guess what? It's an age old question and pretty heavily studied. I'm going to give you the most unusual one first. It's an anthropological reason. There are some people who believe that human beings have an inbred fear of speaking to groups. And we are part of the animal kingdom. I hate to say it. But (laughs) most animals, most, not all, do not like being separated from the herd. You get where I'm going with this? Yes. So when the focus is on you, many Usually, you know, people from the social sciences believe that it's not a natural condition. So just to make a funny analogy to the animal kingdom, probably one of the animals that stands out as being very anxious when they're alone. And again, the analogy to being different than the part of the group are elephants. (laughs) Sorry about that analogy, everybody. Uh, But they get very anxious. Okay, so that's that's a very interesting theory. Number two is sort of inbred, and we know from our human experience and even in our own family and friendship group, some people gravitate towards reticency, and they have from being a toddler. This has been very well studied, that toddlers around 15 to 18 months, some like novelty and new experiences with people, and others don't at all. Now, Does that pattern hold when they're 25? You know, not necessarily, but there's certainly a difference in human behavior in terms of what some people call shyness or introversion to extroversion. Does that make sense, that one? It does, yes. Yeah. Okay. A third one I think is most commonly thought about is the bad experience. 
So when I ask people, did you ever have a bad experience? Many know right off the bat. (laughs) Yes, the teacher told them, sit down. They stuttered. They stumbled in middle school or high school. But often the bad experience is in a professional setting. They froze. They had fatigue. All the equipment broke down and they couldn't handle it. Their boss came up and started talking for them. So things can happen as an adult. And I'll have, in fact, I think I have a client now who said, I, and this is common, I don't know where this came from all of a sudden. And so it's often linked to a specific experience. Yeah. People tend to forget or marginalize bad experiences because they don't want to remember them. They love to remember the good things that happen. But oftentimes, you know, unless it's a customer service experience and we always remember bad treatment at a store or at a restaurant. But when it's personal and it's something that happened to us in our youth, we tend to suppress it or forget about it. And hence your observation that, you know, something happened, but I, I can't remember. It has to be something. Yeah. And, you know, often, I don't want to generalize, but many of my clients who have fears, they do kind of fall into the category of being hard on themselves. So for example, you know, I've actually written a slide book. I don't know if I told you that called speech gems, little sayings I've developed over the years. And one is, you know, one bad talk isn't going to ruin your life. However, one great talk, let's say whatever, on YouTube or on Ed's podcast, you know, can make a difference. Right. And, and, you know, one bad talk, if you can get past the reaction that you had to it, is also a fantastic learning experience because you can learn things that you didn't do well or that didn't connect well or things that you said that you thought would be funny that wasn't, whatever it might be. But what a great learning experience it is to get out there, take a swing at the bat, and if it doesn't work well, Look what you learned about the things that you can do differently to be more effective. Yeah, right. And so what you're expressing to me is a very positive mindset about this, that if you don't do as well as you'd like in a communication situation, I I call it the so what attitude. As you're saying, learn from it and go on. Now, often someone comes to a coach because they don't quite know what they should do differently. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so that's where the focus could be on skills. Your listeners also may be interested in the uh, different approaches that coaches who specialize in the fear of speaking might focus on too. We're going to pause in our conversation with Lori Schloff and ask that you join us next week as we continue to hear more about the fear of speaking and why, according to Google, more people fear speaking publicly than death. It's true. Just Google it. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also welcome you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on CastBox, Overcast, Apple, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google, Spotify, Pandora. We are everywhere. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.